Lights. Camera. It's morphing time. Cinemagic! Go, go, Cinemagic Rangers! You mighty Morphin Cinemagic Rangers! Intro! Intro! Cinemagic Rangers! Intro! Cinemagic Rangers! I'm taking longer because I love this subject so damn much! Cinemagic Ranger Power Ranger! Intro! Man, you went so high, Woo! I couldn't even hear you anymore. I know, man. I, I was hitting my BG range for, you know, for those that know what that means. Oh. Woo! All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic with your host, the one, the only, Rick Acevedo, and of course, me, Jonathan Gondua, giving you all of your hottest takes on the movies and movie industry. And I know last week I said we talk about Godzilla versus King Kong, but that's actually going to come next week because I wanted to talk about people who beat up monsters like that. That's right. Uh, yeah, and if you didn't get that from the intro, Rick, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about Godzilla. No, I'm kidding. We're talking about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers <laughs> and every kind of ranger ever. That's what we're talking about. So buckle in, buckaroos. Yep, <laughs> we can't we can't talk about Godzilla versus King Kong giant monsters without right. people and giant robots fighting those giant monsters. And so instead of doing something about like Pacific Rim or something else that we could have uh, done, which I do love, I do love Pacific the whole Rim Pacific great. Rim. It's great. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to talk about Power Rangers because uh, and Rick agrees because I think we're both fans of Power Rangers growing up. It, it, it defined our childhood and it defines kids' childhood to this day, honestly. The thing with Power Rangers that a lot of people don't understand is, you know, you see Rangers now, you see you see them today, and it's still a, like a popular thing, right? But people don't get that Power Rangers started, and this is more for Jonathan and, and me around our age group. Of course, I'm a little bit <clears throat> older, but um, we... <laughs> Shut up, Jonathan. Uh... <laughs> We, you know, Power Rangers started in 1993. We're talking about 28 years ago, at least in the in the states. And yes. it started as a mor uh, morning daily morning show that was on Fox. I think the time slot original was like between 7:30, 8 o'clock in the morning. And when when this was on, I was in middle school still, and. Um, that's like the thing that all the kids would talk about. Like if you weren't watching, and I don't know how it was with you, Jonathan, when you were growing up, but if you weren't watching Power Rangers, you just were not a part of the in-group or the in-crowd. And I, I think that's really one of the coolest things about Power Rangers. It was so inclusive to, like everybody watched it. Everybody. And I could tell you growing up, I remember people watching soap operas uh, as a kid, and this is elementary school when Power Rangers came out for me, and being like, I don't understand. Why do people want to watch drama every day? Anyways, do you think the Green Ranger's going to get his powers back? Um, and <laughs> I... <laughs> that was great my friends. Into the lives of the Rangers so much and the drama that would occur. Exactly. And I, you know, but I think that what a lot of people don't understand about Power Rangers is Power Rangers was an entirely new formula for American television and for creating television in a way that it hadn't been created before that, you know, basically took elements of things that we had already sort of been exposed to in, with, with syndication and in seeing kaiju movies or seeing um, mm -hmm. Ultraman, the Ultraman live show, the, the series, you know, Power Rangers was something that looked familiar, but at the same time, it was entirely new. And, and go ahead. correct me if I'm wrong, I think in terms of things aimed at children, as in live action, I do not think before Power Rangers there was anything, for American audiences, we're talking American, uh, hmm. that was really much the same. It was live action, battle, robots, big stuff. That would usually be regulated to animation, and our live action was very much more towards 
like you know Mickey Mouse Club and other stuff like that. Our Barney's or Blue. It, it seemed like live action when you got as a kid. It didn't really have that type of stuff. The, it maybe was Nickelodeon like drama, but not like action superhero stuff. Well, no. I mean, the things that we would have as kids, I remember, especially growing up, because you mentioned Nickelodeon, were were shows like Double Dare or Family Double Dare, things and, like that. Or if you were a, yeah, or if you were a little kid, then you were watching. Um, mascot shows and mascot shows essentially were just where someone was in the big like Barney costume or whatever um, you know there was shows like Adventures in Wonderland from uh, from Disney which was being shot live at the MGM Studios when it, when it was the MGM Studios and Disney um, but yeah there was nothing um, action really action I don't think action up to that point with the exception of some cartoons, was really being done right. At least for kids our age, it was not being done right. So this was something mm. completely different. But, you know, I, I think to understand that you really have to go, you have to get into the Wayback Machine um, to really understand how Power Rangers became uh, the phenomenon that, that it became. It wasn't just the fact that it was something new for us to look at that was geared towards our age group. But I think it was also the fact that um, you had this... We got to start at the beginning, beginning with this. So licensing has always been a big thing in the entertainment industry. And at some point we'll cover that in greater depth. Um, but licensing has always been a big... Anybody that owns a license that people are looking for basically has the power. Now, we if we go all the way back to the 1970s, um, a fellow by the name of Stan Lee, you, you all might know who, who that is or what. He's done minor stuff in minor, the industry. He's done a few cameos. Yeah, I don't know. Just a few. Just a few. Yeah. Just a few. Just a few. A comic here and there. <laughs> just yeah. no big deal. No big deal. Just only Stan Lee. Um, so Stan Lee had really stopped in, in, the, uh, in the comics um, aspect of Marvel. And he had decided that when Marvel decided, you know, started really branching out and doing television, they were doing Doctor Strange, they were doing Spider-Man, they were going to try to shoot mm-hmm. an Iron Man, and all of that, that he was going to go to California. Okay. And in California, his boss at that time in Marvel in their content development and what have you, um, she had tasked him with sort of coming up with new things. Now, he had already done a really good job licensing Spider-Man out in Japan. And if Mm -hmm. you looked at the Japan show of Spider-Man, it was like Ultraman meets Voltron meets everything. Let me just put it that and, way. And if you haven't seen that, you could find it on YouTube. Just I think you could just search like Japanese Spider-Man. Uh, and just see the old one. He has a vehicle, a mecha. It is insanity. Like, let's just say this. If someone was making a joke of like, hey, we're going to take J- Spider-Man to Japan, right? And they were making a, a kind of an offensive joke, I would say. Uh, that's exactly what the Spider-Man 70s well, show is. And, and it's insane and great. Yeah, exactly. It's insane and great. And he was, Spider-Man was basically someone injected with spider powers in the planet Spider. (laughs) That's like. (laughs) It's it's, it's insanity. He has a mecha car. He fights with a giant robot. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube It was the greatest thing ever. Come on, man. It's terrible. It is, it is great. I mean, it's almost as bad as as good and bad as Jirajawa. And if you've ever seen Jirajawa, where they're like Power Rangers and Nissans, oh my God, that's crazy. I have not seen that, but I'm. You right gotta, you gotta, you, you gotta YouTube Jirajawa. Literally, they're driving Nissan 240s in the 1980s, which was like the hottest car, but they look like Power Rangers. It's crazy. But anyway, <laughs> so Stanley takes that out to Japan, but then he finds in Japan this series. Okay, and he's like, "Wow, true believers! I think that's something I'm gonna turn into a series myself in the United States." Holy moly! That's my Stanley. That's the best I could do. Um, judge me not for my Stanley, please. Um, so he comes back to the United States, 
and he starts pitching this thing around. No one gets it. Because the way he was pitching this series, and Jonathan, I'm going to let you say the name of the series. Um, Super Sentai. Exactly. Imagine that. If, if Super Sentai. Probably just like that. Yeah, it probably, but <laughs> no one was biting because people thought it was terrible. Except for Margaret Loesch, who Except tried to pitch her. it with them. She tried to pitch it known. with him. Mm-hmm. Now, she's a big, big part of this equation. Because then, years later, a fellow by the name of Haim Savan, who is now like the second most important person in the universe and I know because I worked on one of his shows literally this guy has more security I saw him from a distance and like he's got more security around him than baby Jesus that's like mm-hmm. you know that's how and important he, he is and he's like and if you don't know his name he you've seen it it's big, a million it's times if you've seen Inspector Gadget and all these other shows, that the name was always featured at the end, Saban or Saban Kids. So Saban wanting to become a figure like a real power in the entertainment industry decides that he's going to try to license this thing. He gets rights, he gets this, he gets that, because the assumption was that if this didn't make it with Marvel and this didn't make it with Stan Lee. Who was a name, you know, and who had all mm-hmm. that name record, it's certainly not gonna make it with Saban. It's just not gonna make it. Now, it turns out that that assumption was wrong. Because Margaret Loesch and Saban teamed up, and that's when they changed basically the morning cartoon era. Like, Fox Kids really became. A powerhouse to that no actual network could compete with them in terms of morning mm-hmm. ratings or for children's television. Now, to that, you add the actual Saban formula, which was very simple. It's not going to be the show from Japan, no. This show kept going and going and going. So we're going to take the footage, the action footage, but we are going to adapt the story. And a lot of people didn't understand that adapting story was something that was done very heavily with with, um, animes and stuff. Like it was done with Voltron. Voltron, there were like three different Voltron series. There was Lion, Voltron... um, Vehicle Voltron and then the three Voltrons that like were just three robots. They basically what they would do is they would say, Okay, we're gonna change the story, we're gonna adapt it for American purposes. Now what Saban did is he brought up a bunch of kids, came up with this story for the Power Rangers. Because that was not the story in Japan. And then he basically created this whole mixture and amalgamation that became known as the Power Rangers and started in 1993 and essentially led off to one of the biggest licensing bonanzas and one of the longest lasting franchises that television has ever seen, which is, you know, the Power Rangers. Story-wise, the story was not complex. It was not a complex story. It was it was the, uh, the same old kind of, you know, five young kid. It was five, right? Yeah, it was Blue Ranger, yep. Red Ranger. Yeah, five, five young kids are imbued with a special power. You know, you got the whole Campbell touch with the mentor, and then the little, <laughs> and then hey, come on, man. If that's the one thing that you see in every, it's like the Campbell touch. We gotta add that mentor because you don't know if those kids have been smoking funny cigarettes. So we gotta have that mentor. In which case. <laughs> It's Zorbon, the weird-looking liquid dude. And um, and then Alpha, the little robot. Ay, 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 ay. You know? So, at that point, with a very simple, I would say, simple plan, 
and a very simple way to do things, Saban created something that, that became unique. And at least for those first four years, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, right up to the movie, was basically untouchable both in ratings and merchandising. I mean, it was untouchable. You know? I should have brought out the box office figures, but I want to say that first one, and I'm gonna look them up now, did pretty well. The movies did that did okay. Movie. Yeah, the first movie, like, yeah. uh oh, wait, do you remember the song? Uh oh, uh, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Yeah, I said something coming down. Oh, they burst our bubble. Yes, I I do now remember that. It was Ivan News. And 95. <laughs> yep, 95. Was it 95? Yep. Oh my goodness. Was was were the yep. were the figures for that? I'm bringing them up right now. Because it was so, it was a far more polished. Four million dollars. Do you know what kind of budget so, it? The budget was estimated at fifteen million. So that's actually a very. That's a very big hit because when you when you calculate the fact that usually, the profit is about half of that. After print expenses, you know, and all of the, all of the, uh, theater, yeah, theater, theater all that stuff, rentals and all that, that's about an 18 or $19 million profit. And that's a pretty solid profit, especially for those days when you count it more on domestic box office than you did an in international. So, yep. you know, but I mean, it was incredible. And to me, what stood out about the Power Rangers is it, it really kind of brought people together. It was one of those shows that it didn't matter who you were. Everyone would talk about that. So I thought that yep. was so cool. Like, you know, it, it made it. Maybe it's just that we were living in a simpler time because I think that now times are so freaking <laughs> complex. I mean, dude, I'm only 42 years old, right? But. I just feel like things are weirdly complicated for whatever reason now. So back in those days, it just seemed like something like that could bring everyone together. You'd have the kids having a conversation in groups and stuff like that. I'm like, man, like you're when Tommy came out, it's like, oh my God, he's a bad ranger. Like he's, he's the bad one. And then all of a sudden, no, he's got a conscience. Oh, but his powers are limited. And what's up with Rita Repulsa anyway? Like, why is she always laughing like she's having the menopause? You remember when Lord Zed came in and took over Rita? Yeah. I mean, these are all the conversations Lord that Zed. we had. Lord Zed. Lord Zed scared me because Lord Zed was overly fit. Like, I felt he was on the juice. Like, he's he roided up so much. Like, he was on space steroids. It's like, ah, Rita Repulsa. Well, she's an idiot. I am Lord Zed. I remember as a kid him being menacing and evil as Rita seemed like she was laughing stuff, seemed a little like all the Rangers were <laughs> yeah. here. And then came in, it was the drama and the terror of like the new big bad evil force on his gruff voice, you know. So Who is funny. your favorite Ranger? Oh, by far, if I had to say my top uh, favorite Ranger, uh, and if you're watching this and you can see me, I'm in my Green Ranger uh, sweater. So it's going to be the Green Ranger, and I'm going to hold up uh, 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 the Mega Dragonzord. Um, Could you get it a little closer uh, to the camera? There you go. Yeah. This is the Dragonzord uh, with the uh, uh, Megazord parts in it. Because uh, the Dragonzord was my favorite. I used to love how the Dragonzord beat up on the Megazord all by itself. And it's the black and white, uh, sorry, black and gold legacy edition that they made a couple of years back. So I paid extra. And just, and just for, and just to provide context, Jonathan has one of the finest Power Ranger collections I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, my hat's off I don't to have him. You know. I don't have I, I want more. I have a lot of nostalgic legacy things uh, to talk about uh, the Power Rangers because they're still going to this day. Uh, but, no, I do love it because it was a defining piece uh, of their, of uh, really, you know, my, my growing up. What about you, Rick? What was your favorite? I mean, if I had to pick, and, uh, you know, I have to go with you on this, I have to pick the Green Ranger, but here's the reason why. The, the, the other Rangers... I mean, their costumes were cool and everything, but the Green Ranger looked like he just stood out. He had that gold sash-looking thing. Oh, the gold sash. And you know why? You know why I love the Green Ranger? Why? Because unlike the rest of them, he could play music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
Oh my god, the Gold Ranger was so great, dude. The Gold Ranger was like yeah. the Gold Ranger. The Green Ranger was so great when he did that, and I, you know, I love his weaponry and everything. Like there was a lot of thought put into that Ranger, which is why when he disappeared—not disappeared, but was no longer able to be the Green Ranger—I was like, "What's gonna happen now?" And then all of a sudden, they came up with. The White Ranger, which was equally majestic, but a little plainer in nature just because the color scheme was similar to the Black Ranger, which is the black and white color scheme. You know, and I was just like, man. Yeah, but then they gave him over the top by giving him a talking uh, sword. Oh, the lion? Yeah, the lion's like, yeah. oh my goodness, I do not see how this is actually making any sense. It's kind of like British, sort of British. Yeah, yeah, and, and and which made me love the White Ranger because one, I love Tommy as the character. Yeah. So when Tommy became the White Ranger, I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm down, Tommy. You're already my favorite." And then I'm with you. It was a little plain, but then his sword talked, and I said, "You won me over again. You got a giant lion, and your sword talks, and you still have that that gold floof." Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's, that was that was great. What I what I thought was really cool about the Rangers, honestly. And we go back to the familiarity of it. Obviously, because Savan was using footage for the action scenes, because, you know, it, what made the show stand out is the scenes, the non-fighting scenes, I think with the exception of when they were fighting, like, little drones or whatever, those mm-hmm. scenes were shot here in the States. So there was not a lot to do there. The fighting scenes, the big scenes with the, the swords and everything, those were being... Those were basically recycled footage that he was yep. using from Japan. So that made it look familiar because right there when I would see it, it would make me think of when I had seen kaiju movies or when I had seen specifically Ultraman. And I hadn't seen Ultraman, I kid you not, I hadn't seen Ultraman anything probably for about seven years since before the Rangers. So like the last time I saw Ultraman, something was like in 86. You go in, you see this... And you're like, oh my god, it's so, incredible. It reminds me of give, Ultraman. And to give Saban credit, and uh, even more Stan Lee, to give him less, because Stan Lee saw this in the 70s. And this Super Sentai series has been going on since the 70s, interrupted a little bit, but for the most part, it's been going up. And so by the time Saban is pitching it, this is footage and stuff that's been established uh, for a good 20 plus years at this point. Yeah. But- so Saban takes the, what is then the Super Sentai series has like different seasons, has um, just like Power Rangers, different groups of people. Unlike Power Rangers, actually, it is very more separate, but it's more different groups of people, day of the week monster hunting. But this is a formula they mastered in, in Japan. Japan for like 20 plus years. And so by the time Saban is actually taking the footage for season one, they're using, uh, I think I wrote it down. Yeah. Uh, Kyo Ryu Sentai Zoom Ranger. That is the actual footage. That's the Sentai series that he takes for the first season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And by that point, that's 20 years plus. So um, I would say that the reason it also feels familiar and well is because Super Sentai polished that so well in Japan for 20 plus years of going on uh, to really make that. So I want to give Super Sentai some credit and Saban credit. And also Stan Lee credit for seeing what was coming. Stan Lee saw the potential in this series way before Towards Kids. Before yeah, anybody and, and I think I think that part of really what that says is you have to when you're looking at children's television and you know, you have to understand one thing. It's a different beast. Um, at least it was back then. Right now it's it's very heavily story driven, so a lot of the stuff that you see obviously has a lot more time into it. But back then, it was like, look, this is something that a kid's going to see at 7.30 in the morning before they go to to school. Mm-hmm. So it cannot be so freaking complicated that the kid's overthinking stuff right before he goes to do his arithmetic or whatever. And I think that that's really one of the things that made it stand out as much as it did. And to, to that, you got to think about all the really successful things that were there ratings wise that would catch the attention all the Hanna-Barbera stuff Hanna-Barbera was cheaply produced and they'll tell you that themselves 
look at all the stuff that they did with Blue Falcon, um, uh, Birdman, Space Ghost. Those were really simple things. Okay? Scooby-Doo, they're not famous. Yeah, Scooby-Doo. It's such a simple formula. When, when, such... Were you watching, when were you watching a Scooby-Doo in primetime back in 1985 or 86? Or even in the not 90s? The Never. I mean, that, that came about later on when Cartoon Network became a thing, and then they brought Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, which was like a big comeback, right? But you never saw that on primetime because cartoons and, and, and series for kids, geared towards kids, were not supposed to be on primetime, so they weren't big thinking things. So when you see the Power Rangers, it's not like it's the most complex dialogue it's not like you know and and even the acting wasn't terrific because it wasn't it didn't need to be there was a specific formula that that needed to fill there was a specific area that that needed to fill mm -hmm. so you know if you saw a bulk and skull action exactly but i want to say what you're saying you had and, and for me, it was in the afternoon, I want to say. It was after school. Because I think eventually it moved to after school television. Eventually, it did. for the first four years, it was in the morning. First two to three years, actually. But then after that, I, it moved around. No, I think, I think it went back into the morning. I think once it hit big, it went to like their afternoon television block. Because that's just what people did. But it eventually, <laughs> went, it eventually it went into the weekends, too, during uh, Disney. During the Disney oh, yeah. years, it went into the weekends. It went to the weekend. It was down in but uh, it, it, it had this, and that's what Stan Lee saw, and that's why I want to give him credit. He saw that that action was like, oh, this is aimed at kids. This is primetime action at a kid level that kids aren't receiving. And when no one bought it and no one understood it, and Saban said, yeah, no, definitely, that's what you do. Right? Like, that's what it is for kids. Kids are going to eat this up. And that's what it was. It was this primetime action with storylines and drama where I'm playing them up, but for a kid, yeah, it's a lot heavier than uh, your standard, right, at the time, the standard live action kids shows were. Like, maybe you had Pete and Pete and stuff, but again, you didn't have the superheroes that have to save the world and punch something with their giant robots or they're going to destroy everything while they're having interpersonal problems with losing powers and, you know, fighting and learning powers of friendship. You just had a little something different than what was happening in live action. That's what we and doing. and what it inspired too, because um, I think it was about two years, maybe a year and a half after Power Rangers came out, it became so popular that a new show came out. But I think it wasn't on Fox. I believe it was on USA, or it might have been in uh, in syndication, if not. And it was called Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills, and it looked like really bad Power Rangers. You remember I that? vaguely remember that i haven't heard that in so long i vaguely remember that it is like so vague it was okay so basically it was shot in in what had to be live because it had a live look to it and then you know the fight scenes it looked like they would only shoot them with one camera and it was like a smoky room with like pipe and drape laid out it, it just and I don't know if it was the Saban show or not, but all I do remember was the show, the the song, which was "Tattoo Teenage," and then it would have like two beats, unnecessary, by the way. Alien <laughs> Fighters from Beverly Hills, and then hold on, this is the real creative part of it. Another like six beats would go by, dun, 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 you know, like that, and it'd be like. Tattoo teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. I was like, "This That's is amazing. not Power Rangers, dude. This is." And they had colors. If, you, if anybody remembers this, please tell us. Tag us on Instagram. Comment on. Just say something. I want to know who remembers this. I do want to know who remembers this. Tattoo, Keep going, but I want people tattoo to tag teenage, if they Tattoo teenage alien fighters was like a copy of Power Rangers, and so as a result of that, everybody. Everybody started copying the Power Rangers. Like you something mean like Big Bad Beetleborgs. I remember that one. Uh, we are the are troopers. I remember that one. <laughs> oh, the floodgates. Oh, the floodgates. 
Jonathan, the floodgates, you've opened them. You've opened them. <laughs> if you don't remember, again, comment more on all the Power Rangers. If you're like us who grew up in our the Power Rangers clones that uh, were out there. There's so many. So do you know, um, Do you know? I, I, I didn't say this earlier. I didn't mention this. Do you know why the, the Power Rangers actually reminded me of Ultraman? No. I'm going to tell you. I know it's going to sound really weird. But just sit back and please try to understand that there's a point to this. <laughs> they had Ultraman mouth. They had oh, Ultraman mouth. Because yes. they had the freaking the you know the like the like the lips it were gray. Like everything else was red, kind of like Ultraman, a little bit. But they had that gray color, that gray hue, and it it looked like the mask had been cut out of the same mold. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. They're like mini Ultramans. And then because they were wearing the spandex and it was similar colors, I kept thinking Ultraman. Like I thought these were Ultraman related shows. And at some point I was waiting for them to bring back Ultraman because they had like the sort of Argyle pattern on the, on like, (laughs) you know what I mean? And Ultraman I thought had a little bit of Argyle, but I could be wrong. And I was like, okay, cool. So they got Argyle. So it's like, they're like Ultraman type. They're like his his kids. They're all five of his children, which would be weird because like they're in America and you know Ultraman's like in Japan, so it wasn't making sense, um, <laughs> you know. But after that, and and two Power Rangers, as far as merchandising, and I know, you know, we could we can cover this in more depth later on. But man, the Super Nintendo game was like the shit. Like the best. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I only owned a Sega console wars, man. I was a Sega Sega dude all day. So Oh uh, but sorry. the Sega Genesis version of the Power Rangers. <laughs> it's okay, man. It's okay. Uh, I'll try, you know I wanna tell you a funny story as a kid about Power Rangers. Uh-huh. Uh, the movie Jurassic Park. Right. You know, and I, I, I think this is true of a lot of kids. And so please, if, if you're out there, please don't make me feel alone. But I went to see Jurassic Park because I thought it was going to have, like, some of the Power Rangers in it because it was about dinosaurs. And to me, Power Rangers made dinosaurs kind of cool again before Jurassic Park did because they came out before Jurassic Park, about two years before the movie Jurassic Park hit. And the original Power Rangers morphers were all dinosaurs from Tyrannosauruses to... Uh, uh, saber-toothed tigers, right? They had all these dinosaurs on there, which were so cool. They were dinosaur robots. And so all the kids loved dinosaurs. Merchandise, we all bought dinosaurs. And then there was a movie coming out about dinosaurs. And I thought that was going to be so cool uh, and a feature of the Power Rangers, but it did not. And that was my dumb kid. But (laughs) I I still think Jurassic Park owes some of it to Power Rangers. Yeah, I'm putting it out there, everyone. I think it owes, especially children wanting to see it, is from the love of dinosaurs that comes from Power Rangers. Power Rangers are so huge, and dinosaurs are so huge. Because I mean, I think that Power Rangers owe a debt of gratitude to Barney, because he was very athletic, <laughs> um, and he was a dinosaur. <laughs> you know, they, well, but- you know they closed Barney at Universal, by the way. Um, terrible things. Oh, I'm yeah. getting old. What is the new thing they're putting in? Doc, I- Doc McStuffin? Who owns Doc McStuffins? Is that I, Disney? I don't know who owns They'll rent it. They'll rent it. Um, no, <laughs> but I, I didn't, but honestly, I was so enthralled by how the shift between, between the 35mm look that they had and the American like scenes... And then the grainy, grainy stuff in the Japanese footage. Oh my god, the graininess of it. And you knew that the majority of the stuff featuring Rita also was grainy, so it was different altogether because that's why they brought Lord Zed in. They needed to match that stuff up a little bit more. But, you know, when I would see Rita, I was like, wait a minute. Rita looks like she's in another universe because it's so grainy. And I didn't, like, obviously know the difference between uh, film stock and, and what have you. It's like, no, this this is from, like, 15 years ago. 
10 years ago, whatever. Something like that. Like, the, it just looked, the footage, you couldn't match it, but it, it actually worked. Not matching it mm. worked because it's like, you know, <clears throat> Voltron. When, you know, you're going to... <laughs> oh, I, I mean, yeah, come on, man. We have to bring that up at some point. Um, it's like when they're going into the fight, into that big catastrophic fight and all of a sudden the entire world changes which it worked i mean if you look at it from a technical perspective you're like oh crap man that does not work that's terrible in fact but then when you look at it again it's like well wait a minute that works that does work you know it's it's good it's right with i in the era of what we're about to see and talk about Godzilla versus King Kong, I kind of miss two people dressed in a suit fighting each other as what's in power. You mean, I kind of I, I kind of long for it too, but here's the reason why I long for it. Because I've seen so many movies now where essentially it's like, okay, this one guy is dead or this one lady is dead, but we're going to keep them alive by putting them in there via computer, which is creepy. Because look, if, so, if you watched... Star Wars, the the scenes where they had Carrie Fisher rest her soul, where she's clearly CGI, and it's just voiceover that had been pre-recorded or whatever. It's like she looks like she's staring off into the ether. So yes, that doesn't yes. feel right to me. That doesn't feel right. Yeah. So to have Young Kelly Valley has not been breached yet with that scene. No, I I don't think that we're where we need to be. So it's like. All right, um, I get it, but can't we can't we do some really cool prosthetics and build a small city and you know okay we can superimpose stuff on green screen. They've already done that in almost every movie. I mean, look if you watch every single superhero movie that's been made, ninety nine percent of it is shot in a green screen stage, a massive yep. green screen stage where you have to play to things that are not there and essentially you have to act according to what's on a uh you know on a man what am i forgetting the on a storyboard mm-hmm. what's well, on a storyboard so you got to play almost like to a storyboard because it's like okay well what's here oh here's a building it's coming at you not really but pretend so you got to go into into those little details yep. why not get two people that are can physically fit the bill. You know, you're not requiring them to do any acting. You're requiring them to do physical movement. Then just, I, I think that would be so much cooler. Two stuntmen who know what they're doing, put them in some suits and let them go at it. Like that would be so much more interesting than what we have now. Cause we're bringing up superhero movies and what we talked about last week oh, no. was just a boring slog on some CGI monsters, like literally CGI fighting CGI. And I'm like, whatever. I, 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 I really care people to go and watch Power Rangers in some of these scenes and take in a grain of salt. They're from the 90s and also they're made for kids, but still see the excitement that it is from watching people getting thrown into buildings and hit and smacking with the sword from things that look like even marginally real versus which is just CGI versus CGI. Right. It's just so much more exciting. It's I, so much more exciting. I think that the problem is, you know, we get used to this idea of, oh, well, we want to make it look 100% real. Well, it's not going to look 100% real CGI, and we know that already. When you're putting it, when you're doing that, and it looks like everybody's in the robot, and it, and I know it's cheesy now, and it, it has that hokiness to it, but when I was a kid... And I knew what the outcome was going to be because the Power Rangers was a daily thing beforehand. So it was a predictable outcome. You always knew that it was a predictable outcome. You know, they were Mm going to kill the putties. Then they were going to get in the swords. And Alpha was going to be like, ay, 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 they're getting their asses kicked. And they would get their asses kicked separately. Then they would become Megazord and then they would, you know, kill the thing. And again, I had seen a show that vaguely resembled that way back in the 80s called Voltron Defender of the Universe. But, mm. but, 
It's something that always worked. That formula always worked. It worked in Voltron. It worked in every... And, and it was something that was perfected in Japan. It was like, the, you know, the good guy is going to come out in the end. There's going to be the occasion where the good guy might have some issues. But here, it's going to work out in the end. You just have to believe that it'll work out in the end. And, and to go to a conversation, I don't believe it's hokey. So when we talk about Power Rangers, and I still think the legacy of the show Power Rangers, in terms of we're talking in film, is seen in live-action superhero shows, right? Car superheroes regulated to cartoons in America. That's it, period. They were regulated to cartoons. Power Rangers kind of brought this And not idea very good ones either. Yeah, like, like you could bring it out. You could bring it to live action. True. And since then, we've kind of been with, obsessed with bringing our heroes live action to the point that we do that. Now, we had the Superman movies. I know that. Everybody's going to be like, the Superman movies were before Batman. Like, yes, But yes. yeah, but wait a minute. Like, but see, here's anybody that says that does not understand context because here's the thing. Those were movies that were bringing superheroes, but they weren't movies for kids. Because if you watch Superman no. 1 through 4, I'm sorry, that wasn't a kid's movie then, and it isn't a kid's movie now. And neither, neither were the original Batman. Batman was like the darkest of the dark, 10,000 times darker than Superman, and it only came two years out after. So if you're going to say, oh, well, superheroes had already come to life, yeah, but not in that context. And you can't compare, like, Superman, the original show from the 50s, to this, because the original show of the 50s always had Superman, you know, flying out. You had a weird flying scene. He'd come down, punch like five guys, and that would be the end of it. That was it. That was the end of it. So you can't compare that to this. And it's something that isn't, like, that stuff was never tailored towards kids. This was, yeah. because... At that point in time, you're not going to have your four or five-year-old watching a Power Rangers show. They don't have, they don't have the, um, kids just don't have that taste at four or five years of age. And what I mean by taste is they're not interested in that. They're interested in things with colors, primary, you know, primary colors, shapes, this and that. Learning shows, Clifford the Big Red Dog and all that stuff. You have, you have your five-year-old watching uh, PBS, basically. Okay, but you have your 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 seven, eight, nine year, ten year old kids that are a little bit more into superheroes and stuff like that, watching that stuff. So yeah, no, I you know it is definitely something that brought it to a level where there wasn't there was still a lesson because the stories mm -hmm. actually still were a lesson about friendship, loyalty. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like. Case in point, when the Green Ranger loses his powers, finally, at the end, it's like, Tommy, you'll always be a Ranger. We love you. Whether it was, you know, Shakespearean or not is irrelevant. It's the fact that that's the end result of that show. Yep. And that's what people need to look at also. It had a good ending, like every episode had a good ending and it was positive and it always ended on a positive note. And you would always get the idea that evil was never going to triumph because Rita Repulsa, you know, evil people just in general are are basically too dumb to make things happen correctly. That was <laughs> it. I'm sorry, like that was it. And that's the reason why everyone loved it so much. And when they brought in a character like Lord Zed, it makes sense because he looked a little bit more, um, a little bit nastier than Rita Repulsa. A lot nastier and a lot more actually, now that I think about it, because he looked like the human body basically. But again, it was showing that no matter how good you look or how bad you look, rather, how whatever you are, you're an idiot if you think that evil is going to triumph. And that was always a positive lesson. It never, like, no one can tell me. And, and the whole thing about teamwork, working mm -hmm. as a team, let's be there All for your... each other. 
you know? All your standard lessons you give to kids, just with uh, some colorful kung fu action. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and so I want to say that as we're kind of kind of wrap up here, uh, I just want to say for all the aspiring filmmakers and lessons that we can learn from stuff like Power Rangers and from Stan Lee to Saban to everyone else, if you see something that you know that is working, that is missing, pursue that. Just because other people don't automatically see it doesn't mean it's not there. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. My yeah. my whole take on Power Rangers is this, okay? And this is the advice that I want to leave everyone with. Uh, if you have an idea that you feel is going to work, or you see something that's worked elsewhere and you think you can make it work in the market that you're in, 100% mm -hmm. go for it. Because people in this business ultimately are attracted to the money and Power Rangers has been a basically multi-billion dollar franchise that's still, still going, still going it's to gonna this be. day. Like hey, that show Power never sees an end. Exactly. So look at that because Saban was not Saban back then. Saban is Saban now. You want to try to talk mm -hmm. to Saban, you're going to have to get through about 78 guys worth of security just to talk to him. Saban... He's a billionaire, I believe. Yeah, he's, he's, like, he's worth like a, about two, two or three billion. You know, he, he owns part of Univision, or at least he did. His group, investment group did. So the guy is 100% set for life. Believe in that. Believe in what you can achieve. Don't set the limit for yourself because then if you set a limit for yourself, you are not going to accomplish anything in this industry. You cannot limit yourself to a damn thing. I don't care what anyone says. Oh, this is what you need to do this way. Fuck that. I'm sorry for my language because it is a Power Ranger show. But you cannot believe that there's a limit to what you can accomplish. You got to go for it all the way. Saban was not a known figure. He was not a multimillionaire when he did what he did, but he did it anyway. And you say, well, that might be, you know, the case for Saban, but how will I know it's the case for me? You don't, but you're not going to know until you actually try to do something about it. So and, and don't give up. Yes. And another thing, and we mentioned Margaret Loesch before, but when she was pitching it with Stan Lee and then became the head of basically Fox Kids and what you know from X-Men and everything else. Oh, yeah. And so when Bond was pitching Golden this, period. And he was pitching that for years. He was pitching Power Rangers for years. She remembered it, brought it up, and go forward. So keep your ideas good. Be six good years. to others. You never know what position they're going to be in. And just like Rick said, six years? Yeah, it About takes a while. Years. So sometimes, sometimes just because they're not pitching now, uh, you're pitching it now, it's not working. Maybe sometimes just look at the way you're pitching it that may be it too but the industry does run slow don't expect to be overnight unlike social media i think social media has given this false expression that entertainment runs very quickly when entertainment runs very slowly um you know with that one thing i want to say about that is watch fake famous the documentary on um on hbo max and you'll see exactly what jonathan's talking about um you know, there's a thought process that every influencer that you see is legitimately famous when reality, I could rent the set for $49. It looks like a jet and, and, or take a toilet seat, put it next to a monitor that has like an ocean view. And that could also look like a jet too. So don't believe everything that you see actually base things on what you know, the research that you do and, and how much you're putting out there. Um, and don't give up. That's that's my take because look, we're doing everything we're doing because we don't believe in giving up, okay? And and we yeah. we pattern ourselves after people that have a proven track track record of success, not because hey I want to be Saban or Jonathan wants to be Saban. It's because we literally know that it's doable, okay? Because there's nothing that says that we can't accomplish that same thing later on, so. So I hope you enjoyed our talk about Power Rangers. But before we go, uh, let's give us some recommendations on things to watch. Obviously, next week we're going to talk about Godzilla versus King Kong. So watch Godzilla versus King Kong. Kong City, Max. baby! Uh, the 31st, I believe, for us. Our international viewers already got it on the 25th. Uh, you know, 
good to be you, I guess. Uh, <laughs> just joking. We love our international listeners. Hashtag really, cancel. Really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. uh, another thing that I've just been watching this week, so if you're not watching Godzilla vs. King Kong, um, I've kind of had to clear away the uh, Zack Snyder Justice League from my mind. I've been talking about it literally all week. I can't stop talking about it, and not in a good way. Uh, everyone I talk to with, and Rick and I have even had follow-up conversations about, about since our podcast. No, <laughs> and you I know, and you it. know, and you know, the worst part of it is, is the more you talk about it, and the more you remember it. Because again, Jonathan watched it all four hours. I didn't. So then it started bringing stuff up that just was literally pissing me off. I was like, I can't have this conversation right now because it's just making uh, me so uh, when angry. The, when the black and white version dropped, I even got angrier. No, <laughs> I was like, what? Are we yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna watch. I'm not gonna watch the black and white version because that's not the way superhero shit is done. So I'm sorry. Uh, so I was glad to talk about Power Rangers and some Power Ranger footage. It was nice having color in my life. But I also watched Invincible uh, on Amazon Prime. And if you haven't watched ooh, that, I heard that's Robert. great. I heard that's great. It is actually great. Uh, it is animated, so it's not live action, but it has color and joy and even a dark subject matter that Justice League didn't have. Uh, to me, watch Invincible. <laughs> it's a good palate cleanser if you watch the Exciter Studies League. It shows you how to show mature context in a good way. Uh, and I think we said DC animated movies have been doing that. Uh, this one is fabulously. No, Robert Kirkman is. For, I, I was he a part of Vertigo at one point? No. So it's like technically oh, it's Vertigo. But Invincible is his own comic series. Um, it's great. I, I actually really like the show. Uh, I, I'd say watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Three episodes have dropped. It's dropping weekly, but three have dropped all at once. Uh, and it's amazing. I couldn't stop watching the first three. They're 40 minute um, episodes. I believe I already mentioned uh, Watchmen here, right? The series? Yes. Okay. So what I'm going to mention is something that hasn't dropped yet, but it looks kind of really hilarious. And it's going to be dropping on Hulu on May the 21st. Um, watch the trailer for uh, MODOK. It is an animated series. Oh, oh dude. Oh, with uh, Patton Oswalt as MODOK. Um, it looks freaking hilarious. And I just... MODOK as a comedy character. I've always laughed, found MODOK funny. I don't find MODOK intimidating. And I think they always sell it. You know, as kind of a funny, like a little troll with a mind, but ultimately he's just funny. So yeah, check out that um, that particular trailer. I, unlike Jonathan, decided to cleanse my cleanse my palate by drinking water and not watching anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's possible. It is possible. Uh um just because i don't want to run into more hatred um <laughs> but justice league maybe not want to watch anything else either i i have to admit that, i so. yeah it, it actually left me in that position so i gotta be honest with you my tv's been off um pretty much the whole time with the exception of that um fake famous um documentary Sorry which I thought was kind of interesting. And I think it's a great way for people to learn um, about basically being able to discern between the BS that you see in social media and, and actuality, you know, reality and actuality. So um, that is something that I would recommend. But for the most part, like I said, I've been, I've been staring clear of uh, the majority of my streaming services. <laughs> I have to say this, as you're talking about documentaries and talking about Fake Famous, a movie I do really want to see is a documentary on the making of both Justice Leagues. Like, just together. Just a documentary on this whole mess. I would love to see a behind-the-scenes. A behind-the-scenes on this whole mess. It just um, seems, it, I, I gotta be I honest. I, I gotta be honest with you. I, what I saw, and this was right after Justice League, but I didn't really mention it. Um... It was basically a documentary, like a 24-minute documentary, 24-minute piece on the Zack Snyder and the making of the Zack Snyder thing. I gotta be honest with you, um, it was just more of a of an ego fest. Um, 
like Zack Snyder is so great and he's so amazing and he loves comics oh, yeah. and whatever. So I didn't watch it. I didn't like I I made it through about twelve minutes of it when I, until I realized I was like, okay, th- this is designed for a specific reason. So I'm not I'm not gonna get invested um, in this. Uh, speaking of not Zack Snyder, they are going to be releasing uh, Suicide Squad 2. Which oh, the trailer was great. I love that, that trailer. trailer, I got to say, the surprise of that trick Because, you know, if you got Idris Elba, look, if the man can make cats work, and that was a freaking flaming dumpster fire, then he work. could do You're anything. No, no, I'm saying he can, make his, he can make his stuff work. <laughs> his stuff I'm not talking about like the movie itself was just garbage but I'm saying Idris Elba can make pretty much just about anything you give him garbage and he'll be able to make a salad out of it somehow but to see John Cena like yeah. his stuff on just his stuff alone I was dying I was like why don't you eat a bag of dicks let me tell you something. If it was for justice and they littered this entire island with dicks, I would eat every single one of them. What? <laughs> but I love the color, the funness of it. Oh, just the. I need more of that and less Zack Snyder stuff. So I, yes. I am excited for. Yes. I am excited for Justice League too. I not Justice no, League. No, sorry. no, no. Uh, hey, hey, man. Hey, man. Suicide. Hey, man. Suicide Squad. I'm excited for Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Uh, Not Justice League 2. Okay, we're done with Justice League. Suicide Squad. I'm excited for that. So check out that. Check out that. Because that looks amazing, dude. It looks amazing. It does. You know, and I'm I'm not a huge Pete Davidson fan, but even he looked like he was pretty funny in it. You know? Yeah, that's actually true. So anything left to plug? Um, if you haven't done so already, for all our fans, especially those um, overseas, we um, are going to be in Alchemy um, within this week. So that's for everyone in the UK. That's for everyone in France. Vive la France. And, vive la France. Um, anyway... <laughs> You're French. You're French. You're French. You're French. So I was letting you kind of take over. God damn it. Uh, that, that just made it weird, bro. <laughs> so, I was like making it weird. So check out, so check out Searching for Betty Paoli and uh, and Boys School on that particular f- platform. And we're going to be in Duya at the end of the month. So we're going to be in several other platforms, both titles. So check that out. And um, very soon, we're going to be shooting our next series, which we'll talk about later on, but not today. Yep. And as always, find us, um, uh, comment, like, and subscribe wherever you find us or wherever you're listening to this podcast. On Instagram, at Triskelion Productions. Please give us a shout out to Allie, first of all. Tell her hi. Uh, She's always there on our Instagram account saying hi. So definitely tell her hi from us. Uh, secondly, tell us your favorite Power Ranger moments, things that you remember, and that show, that Teenage Mutant. I can't no. even remember the full name. Hold on, let's. We got to do the song now because you're you're not doing it right. You got to give us some love, right? So, okay, right. beats and everything. Tattoo Teenage. Da 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 da. Alien Fighters. Da 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 da. From Beverly Hills. <laughs> and, and, wait, 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 wait. And now comes the fast part, okay? Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills. <laughs> if you remember that, please tag us on a photo on Instagram for or or, uh, or, or if you were one of the stars. <laughs> yeah, reach out to us. Of Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills, we want to know your experience. About being a tattooed teenage alien fighter from Beverly Hills. I would really love to talk to you. I would really love, I would love, I want to throw that feeler out there from anyone that was ever in the tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. Da, 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 da. Please reach out to us. We will talk to you about this show. 100%. 100%. We'll dedicate a whole show. We'll just talk to you about it. I would, I would love to. 
I mean, and I will watch every episode beforehand. I am that dedicated. <laughs> there, there are not that many, actually. <laughs> so, again, so tag that on Instagram. Tag if you've been in it. Like, share, subscribe. Let us know your favorite Power Rangers moment. And we'll see you next week. When Cinematic. we will be covering Kong. And I do mean Kong because uh, Kong's going to break out the whoop ass. Can I get an amen? I can't roar, but Godzilla roar because Godzilla wins. How can he break his nuclear energy? Man, King Kong ain't got nothing on Godzilla. Nothing. He's bringing, he's bringing brass knocks. Okay? And Kong knocks. No way. You gonna stab Godzilla with the Kong knocks? You know, see. what he needs is dentine ice because Godzilla can't handle that bad breath. That's uh, offensive. Boom. And I'm hashtag canceling. <laughs> can't handle, can't handle Godzilla. See you next week. All we right, talk see about you Godzilla. See you next week, everybody. Yeah. All right.